Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and lore of cyberpunk. I'm Toasty, a fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting. And I'm Genesis, an old school media tech with a love of character deep dives. Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future. We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Welcome back to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your girl Genesis, and with me, as always, is Toasty, the not-a-chair host. In this episode, we will continue our history and lore of the other states. We will get to California and Night City, I promise. But not much is known about the other 50 nifty United States. But we will deliver on what we do have. Did you have to learn that that song as a kid? No. Uh, really? Yeah. I probably wouldn't have done it anyways. United States from 13 original colonies. Yeah. And then I learned, so, like, I know every state in alphabetical order. Nope. <laughs> I could never. I, was, I, just, I could never. It's fine. I mean, I know all of them, but you tell me to, like, sit here and list them out. That's just never going to happen. <laughs> I'll forget something. Maybe I'll sing it and put it in a blooper reel at the end of the episode. You can do, yeah, you can do that after, after, after I leave. So I just subject myself to. I always hate Brandon. I was such a logic-brained kid. Like the, all the tricks that they did to like help people know things easier, whatever. I hated all of those mm. because it just didn't like. I either didn't need them or didn't like. They were just dumb to me. Like if I yeah. thought something was stupid, I would just say it was stupid. I didn't have the filter when I was a kid, so I just got in trouble a lot. Let's just put it to a musical tone to make it a little bit easier to remember. But there was no trick to it other than memorizing. Fair. As for the quote-unquote scream sheet, kind of, um, I finally did it. I finally did math numbers. Um, I did them last week after the episode because I wanted to do them. And then I didn't save any of my progress and then Jen reminded me to do it today. So I have my approximate numbers. Um, so, um, and I may have done this wrong. I'm just going to state that uh, to start because like uh, I did it based on like just doing conversions or whatever and steps can get misdone. I'm not, I'm, I'm a dumbass now, so I'm not good at shit. Uh, but um, from my calculations, um, the 200 uh, euro bucks uh, would be equivalent to about $900 today, um, approximately. Um, so that would make the average yearly salary for people 
to be about 18,000 a year. Which, which is still nothing. It's you not can't even live on close that. to a livable wage. Um, especially like depending on where you live or whatever. Like if you lived in any states with like a state tax, you'd, you'd be so fucked. Uh, <clears throat> uh, which, so, and also following those. Um, so the um, about, I think, 600 uh, Eddie apartments that have were the baseline apartment, no furnishings, basically an empty box, would be about $2,700 for rent a month, which is so ridiculous. <laughs> like you get a luxury apartment nowadays for about that much. Like you could be mm. like you well, depending on where in oh, so sorry, where I live, I could get a luxury apartment for that much. I could be living in like the the high class rich part of my city um and have a fucking like uh everything marble countertops um and like freaking like stainless steel like the fancy stainless steel appliances and everything. Um, and I think I probably would pay less than that. I think the ones near me that I got like an advertisement for, I think it was like 2,400 a month, um, for stuff for that, for a one bedroom. Um, I toast you doesn't make that much money. So I don't, I don't live in any place like that. So <laughs> still that's ridiculous. It is extremely ridiculous because 2,700 is double my mortgage on my three bedroom three bathroom house damn and yeah i also live in a cheaper part of the greater portland metro area but i do know that if i was trying to get an apartment or a house closer to downtown it would be a lot closer to that 2700 even for a one bedroom now my house when I bought it was about two hundred and fifty thousand. What about that three bedroom, two bathroom house? I mean, you surely you'd be able to easily afford a four million dollar home, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. no, no, no. You couldn't afford a four million. Uh, well, that's how much it costs, uh, approximately, or it would cost in our world. Four million dollars. Like I know how nice my aunt's house is, and my aunt's house is a one point two million dollar home. So I can't even conceive like what a four million dollar home would look like, like today. I'm gonna Zillow that and just cry tears of I'll never be able to afford it. There's definitely more than three bedrooms and three bathrooms in those houses. Though. Oh yeah, 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 There's for sure. Only like six, six and six. At least minimum. <laughs> and just because I wanted to look this up really quick, I went to healthcare.gov. Uh, so for in the United States, the 2023 income level to be considered at poverty level for an individual um, is $14,580. Now for a family of two, it's $19,720. So with an average yearly salary of 18,000, it is technically above the poverty level in 2023. Um, but 
not by much. Not by much at all. Not by much. So, yeah, no. Granted, in Cyberpunk, they are way they are below the population because the population but so is uh what what was it 70 percent of the population so yeah wild no wonder there's so many edge runners right there's no way to live unless you're doing crime like that's the only way to get paid Mm -hmm. how much do you think actually this is god we're tangenting so much but um how much you think that David was paying for his that fancy apartment he had at the end of Edge Runners? Oh, the fancy one. The fancy um, one. I think it was like so. I bought it in game, and it's like fifty thousand. Fifty thousand Eddie. Mm-hmm. So if it's I was the to... most expensive one. So two hundred thirty-three thousand dollar apartment. Most expensive ass apartment. Right. And he did good on those jobs then. He can pay in a lot. Because oh, he yeah. had to like divvy that out to his his like team too. <laughs> so he was just making bank. Oh, that's how to unlock it. Oh, apparently you unlock it, you don't buy it. Um, unless it is oh wait. It, you have to mod it in order to buy it. Mm. You get it for free. Uh, as part of an ending. Gotcha. Well, that's just ridiculous. Oh, you know what? The 55,000 Eddie's, why I had that in my head, that's the Corpo Plaza apartment. That's the most expensive one. Okay, that would be a bit closer to... That would just be straight up like 250,000. Yeah. Still very interesting information uh, to go over and try and like... I like figuring out the economy and figuring out the value of it because you know that that's actually a game dev title is like economy building. And so Hmm. there's somebody who has to figure out how much is one gold piece worth, you know, and what is the purchasing power of that? Or in this case, you know, it's Eddie's, but still, there's there's somebody who has to build that out and then figuring out, like, okay, this upgrade is worth this much. How much would the quest lines have to give you in order to make this a more difficult item to purchase or an easier one to purchase? And there's somebody whose job is to actually figure out all this math. Well, power to them, because I, I could never. My accounting brain kind of loves it. Fair enough. Um and this is all subject to change when the next time we get Jay on and he tells me I did everything wrong and that, that's <laughs> not correct at all. But it's fine. If he does that, I'm sure he'll give us the actual answer. So it's all good. Anyways, Jen, so we get into this uh, free state stuff? The free states, yes. We talked a little bit about them last week when we were talking about how the new United States divided itself up and went into like kind of three different categories the autonomous, semi-autonomous, and then the NUSAs. Um, So let's break it out a little bit more and find out the history that we have of the ones that claimed themselves as the free. So as with uh, most cyberpunk things, uh, we start in the 90s where everything changed um, or diverted from our timeline. So Texas, um, surprise, surprise, was the first free state. It's not a surprise. No one should be surprised by that. 
although at the time the term had not yet be, been coined. The Mideast meltdown of 1997 and the drought of 98 put Texans atop a pile of riches, what with their offshore oil wells and extensive food production. This caused a lot of money in the U.S. to flow into Texas as prices for these commodities skyrocketed. This, in turn, caused most Texans' federal tax burdens to jump by a similar amount, actually leaving Texans with less purchasing power than before. That makes sense. Uh, late in 1998, Sally Ross, the senior Perotista senator, um, I'm not entirely sure what Perotista is. I, is that a is that a town? I'm from okay. Texas. I shouldn't be asking this question, but I've never heard this term before. I don't know. The first thing that came up was a parasite, and that's not it. Let me see. Perotista, Texas. We'll figure it out and uh, fix it next week. Uh, but anyways, uh, the senator, wary of U.S. tax structures, proposed the Ross Bill, which looked to overturn the normal legal precedence of national laws over state laws. It might have something to do with Ross Perot. Because now I'm on a political forum from Newsweek. But okay. Although the bill was seriously considered by the state government, most thought it would not pass. In early 1999, however, the U.S. passed the federal weapons statute. For the Texans, this was the final straw. Don't fuck with Texans' guns. The Ross Bill was immediately passed in a special session, and the federal weapons statute was de facto declared invalid within the state's borders. This effectively placed national considerations secondary to local, thereby implying that membership in the union was a matter of convenience for the state. Such a challenge to the union had not been issued since 1861, and the government responded with immediate and surprising force. Unfortunately, the national government ignored the fact that Texas held a lot of economic power, threatening to secede from the union. Man, crazy, crazy <laughs> concept. Texas threatening to secede. Never heard that one before. Uh, Texas cut off interstate shipments of oil, gas, food, and electronics and stalled the American space program. Texas banks froze national assets and all electronic communications were subjected to severe scrutiny and censorship. Alaska, seeing a window of opportunity, joined the embargo, passing their own version of the Ross Bill at an emergency meeting of their legislature and further tightening the national supply of food and fuel. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a way to get things done. You don't like what they did and they, the government tries to retaliate and you have all the food? Well, <laughs> all the food and oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... I guess Texas kind of, they got what they wanted. So, now, one state could be dealt with, but two powerful states proved to be too much. Strained by these actions, the government sought to avoid direct conflict, and national negotiators quickly met with Texan and Alaskan representatives 
Between them, they managed to come to a compromise, which was the free state system. This compromise kept the U.S. from fighting another civil war, but other states' Other states saw this compromise as the capitulation of the national governments to the state's interests. In the years following, California, backed by Texan and Alaskan representatives, declared itself a free state. Nevada bought its free status outright, and it is not publicly known how large that price tag was. And Utah was able to declare itself free, mostly because no one really cared whether it did or not. I mean, to be fair, I don't really care about Utah either. Right? I mean, Utah is home of the Mormon and land of the really cool mountains, I guess. I'm just trying to think of a reference. There's like a reference in the back of my mind, but I can't say specifically, but just like the, like, yeah, we're leaving too. Did, did you hear us? Did, did you hear? We, we said we're going. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just walk out silently, <laughs> dragging their feet. Now, specifically, um, first thing uh, we're going to talk about Texas. We're going to talk about, or we're going to talk about Texas, um, but to just, uh, preface, um, the only places that are considered to be true, uh, like free from like their own nation is the Republic of Texas, Alaska, and Night City. And then the rest that we get into are known as uh, semi-autonomous free states. So they kind of still work with Noosa. So they're kind of part of it, kind of not. Yeah. Um, and that makes sense. Texas had enough of its own wealth and own power in order to, and Alaska as well, um, to say that, yes, we don't need the support of the rest of the country. These other ones are like, yeah, we prefer to run our own laws, but we'll still, you know, pay tax to the national government as a whole in order to get the support that we need. Yep. Oh, but starting with the 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 first one out of all of them texas uh so uh of course they're notable for being the first uh they declared it their freedom in 1999 renaming itself the republic of texas after the government tried to control its weapons and they were officially recognized in 2000 texas was followed by alaska also in 2000 california in 2002 Nevada in 2003, and Utah in 2014. Quite a difference between those ones. It took a minute for Utah to be like, guys, I want to go too. Yep. Uh, Texas Rangers, the Highway Patrol, uh, and the Texas National Guard have been unified into one peacekeeping command headquartered out of the Texas College A&M. What does the A&M stand for? Agriculture mechanics, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that the I'm not entirely sure about the M, but I know the it's definitely agriculture because it's that's the that's the Aggies. Ah uh, that's their okay. that's their their football team or whatever is the Aggies. I was uh, like, I've definitely heard of Texas AM, but I never really knew what it stood for. 
Yeah. Um, so this is crazy to me just because, like, technically speaking, I think I'm like two ish hours from College Station, which is where AM's like the primary AM campus is at. It's just wild to me to think that there's like, if this was the cyberpunk universe, that's where the military would be. Yeah. Because that's just a college town. It's literally called College Station. That's the name of the town. Oh. Wild. Um, and they also have problems with smuggling from the Mexican border. Yeah. Makes sense. So, fun fact about College Station. So, you're two hours away from it. Uh, Johnny is somewhere roaming around there right now. Johnny Silverhand was born in College Station, Texas on November 16th, 1988. I mean, technically speaking, he wouldn't be right now because he, he's dead. Oh, in 2023? No, he's in Night City right now. Is he? When was the... Was it 2024 when the attack happened? No, 23. Yeah. Or 2022? 20, Shit, this was our oh, this was a question on our our patron trivia night. Night City Holocaust. August 20th, 2023. So about a month from now, Johnny Silverhand will die. Oh no. <laughs> we we have to do something. We'll have we to have do to, something we... the, the the recording session before. Yes. Celebrate Johnny's life because I think this will, the episode will come out the the day of the episode will drop the day of. <laughs> All right, we are definitely doing something that day for him, and then we should also put it in our calendars for November sixteenth to wish Johnny a happy birthday. Yep. The Republic. That's a, that's a, that's a Thursday, Jen. November sixteenth is a Thursday. It's a Thursday. Oh my gosh, that's a recording night. We. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right. Now, moving on to 2077, the Republic of Texas remained an autonomous free state. Unlike the others, Texas didn't sign the Treaty of Unification after the war, retaining its full autonomy. Following suicide bombings in the new United States military bases in New Mexico and Oklahoma, President Rosalind Myers openly blamed Texas for the attacks and ordered retaliatory bombings on airports in the Texan cities of Wellington and El Paso. Both sides expressed a desire to avoid conflict, but bookies put the odds on a border war breaking out in the near future at three to one. And this is 2077, so this is like a little... At some point during the game, we either find a document that tells us this or hear a conversation that tells us this. So, who's to say? Um, I wonder if we'll hear about it just out of, like, association with President Myers. So, we'll literally be talking to her. I yeah. wonder if we think about this, like, expanded. Probably. I wonder if this is part of the reason that she got attacked is because she ordered bombing on Texas and Noose and Night City being an ally of Texas because they are also one of the other free states is like bitches in our territory. We'll light her up for you. Yeah. And I was 
uh this reminded me that was i was trying to remember exactly the difference or whatever yeah the the semi-autonomous states that aren't texas alaska and night city are the ones that signed the treaty of unification mm. so to sort they sort of independent but signed the treaty so they have some things they have to cede over to the states but anyways uh moving on to um Man, it's going to be really confusing for our listeners whenever you hear this in, uh, pronounced in two different ways. Uh, Nevada. Uh, in Nevada. Yeah, I don't say, I say Nevada. I do not say the other one. Um, the free state of Nevada is a semi-autonomous free state within the new United States of America. For I guess for our non-American listeners, uh, it is located uh, in the west part of the USA or the United States. I was about to say, you know where it is. And then I was like, no, we don't have just American listeners. So Uh, most people know where California is located and it's right next door to California. It's California's uh, California is spooning Nevada. Yes. California, big spoon, Nevada, big little spoon. Now, uh, when the collapse hit, Nevada survived by offering incredibly cheap discount vacation packages to European and Asian corporations, becoming the recreation spot of the world. In 2003, following other examples, Nevada proclaimed itself as part of the autonomous free states. During the 2020s, the state was notable for having little to no law enforcement whatsoever at the time damn so right now in real world history nevada is pretty much known for las vegas uh in the 2020s it wasn't uh oh wait sorry you're saying an actual real world fact my bad yeah go ahead yeah no i'm (laughs) just saying that it's known for las vegas where you know land of the casino and it is out in the middle of the desert but you know it's it is a vacation destination you go there to gamble and have fun and spend money and no offense to any nevadans uh listening um it's literally all that they have yeah everything else is pretty much desert i mean lake tahoe but there are some pretty spots and then like going out into the desert can be like a destination for the people who like that type of stuff. It is not me. Yeah. Now, moving on to Arizona. Uh, In the 90s to the 2020s, the state has surprisingly little problem with smuggling goods from Mexico. They're generally targeted to markets in the Appalachians or the Californians. And Arizona is on a convenient route to Neither. So because of this, they don't need to field a significant border patrol force. And the state, therefore, has that much more money to spend on internal development. There, a domed city called Alpha appeared seemingly overnight during the collapse when no one was watching. The purpose remains a mystery, but observers like to point out that Alpha has been built on the research of previous safe sustaining colonies, like the Bio-1 experiments. 
Do we know anything about Bio One? Bio One. I don't think so. Uh, we'll have to see if that's a thing. Bio Expedite One, Science Mission Doctrine. Hmm. So the thing is, is that this is not, Google's not a good way to find an answer to this question because it, it's going to refer to anything that's listed as Bio One, which oh, yeah. could be considered college courses, other experiments that exist. So, you know. I think we need biology 101. <laughs> so, we don't know what bio one is. Let me see. This one keeps showing up, but I don't think this is correct. They're talking about a bio experiment, biology experiment one that was performed by NASA, but it was performed at the Kennedy Space Station in Florida or Space Center in Florida, which is not Arizona. No. Crazy. So maybe it's some, some thing, some fancy thing. Wait, actually, wait a, wait a second. Wait a second. Did I find something? Did I find something? In the 1990s, a troop of hippies spent two years sealed inside a dome called Biosphere 2, they ended up starving and gasping for breath. The experiment run from 1991 to 1993 um, is considered a failure. They went mad. Okay. This is a whole ass thing that I think is what this is. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to find it. It says, However, as this new documentary Spaceship Earth shows, the escapade is a cautionary tale. Now that the outside world, Biosphere 1, if you prefer, is itself coming to resemble an apocalyptic sci-fi one. So I'd have to find out. I need to find out, because this is talking more about Biosphere 2. I need to find out about Biosphere 1 then. I, it sounds like this was supposed to be replicating, like, uh, I don't know, like space colonization, possibly? Oh, like, like how like we would setting, colonize on Mars. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know what? There's, I mean, this is a documentary. Um, if I have time before next week, I might look into it just out of curiosity. I mean, I watched Biodome. I think I know enough. This kind of, it sounds like the same thing. <laughs> so we'll have to look it up, but it does seem like this is what it's referring to. Uh, but this is uh, something for another time. <laughs> Um, that's it for Arizona. Um, so, uh, Arizona's neighbor, New Mexico, um, which I, I, I like New Mexico, but maybe that's just me. Um, most of the state is unlivable because of weather patterns and only Albuquerque and Red Mesa could be considered to be healthy towns. The former capital, Santa Fe, was abandoned due to both environmental concerns and Native American terrorism. Oh. Yeah, that's a, I, that's a new one. Uh, the U.S. military has started weapons testing once again at Alamogordo, trying out their new EMP bombs, cesium bombs, and other things. All right, Toasty, before we tangent on another weird random topic, let's go to our mid-break. 
Welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about the show and not the lore of cyberpunk. We don't have any new patrons to read out this week and we don't have any new reviews to go over. So this will be short and sweet. If you do leave one of those reviews and you play the cyberpunk TTRPG, your DM owes you 10 IP per J Gray. We don't make the rules, but he literally does. So go cash him in. You can also support the show by visiting fanrolldice.com and codestack CPLC Cyberpunk Lorecast with the almighty C10 code ALLMIGHTYC10. But leaving those reviews and on iTunes really does help us get seen uh, more. And especially with Phantom Liberty coming up, we want anyone who is a fan of the cyberpunk games and all of that to be able to easily and quickly find the show while they are searching for cyberpunk information um also leaving the comments on spotify and leaving the ratings and on there is also a big help to us so quick little clicks of the buttons a couple little stabs on your phone can go a long way to show your support Yep. Stab your phone to show support. You heard yeah. it here. Stab, stab, stab. All right. I don't think we have anything else to say in the middle of the show. Let's get back into it. Uh, moving on to Colorado. Uh, yeah, I did say it that way. How do you feel about that? Uh, I don't, I mean, that's better than me going Colorado last week. Oh, God. I forgot about that. And now I've remembered again. That's rough. So sometime after the collapse, the northwest portion of this state, comprising counties like Rio Blanco and Mafat, I gave that a little, like, way more spice than I think it probably needs. It's probably just Moffat, isn't it? Probably. Probably. I don't know. I like Moffat. It sounds fun. Uh, it, these were purchased by Biotechnica while the state was overrun with nomads. After the collapse, as the nation rebuilt itself, Biotechnica founded White City. Mm. Way to go, Biotechnica. I really really doing a great job over there uh boosting the income of the state government with increased tax revenue so they founded white city and made more money interesting you know no no not touching it <laughs> by 2020 despite more extreme seasonal weathers the state had managed to survive basing its economy and agriculture on genetically engineered sheep the only livestock animal capable of surviving in the new climate of Colorado. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Colorado's main industries during 2020 included aeronautics, communications, food crops, light and medium industry, livestock, military training, and mining. Genetically engineered sheepies. Okay. Little lambs. Yep. All right, Wyoming. 
After the Mideast meltdown, in a startling turn of events, a group of socialist radicals managed to get a majority vote in the legislature, turning Wyoming into a socialist state in 1997. What the fuck? It also re rearranged the Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks and unified them into one giant recreational area. Can I just reel it back? Did you say Yellowstone? I did I you did. You didn't say yellow, you said yellow. Oh god. Moving and bouncing around over all these states is giving me an accent complex. <laughs> I'm bouncing into a whole bunch of different ones. <laughs> I'm supposed to have the accent complex here, Jen. That's me. That's my job. Also, right, small, small, small note about Colorado. Uh, it said overrun with nomads, and I just like I didn't appreciate that because like nomads are great. So overrun implies like a bad thing, but like that's good. A place covered in nomads that's that's a good place sorry i have to do i'd have to defend the, my boys they deserve it anyways montana uh uh in the 90s to the 2020s uh they were already suffering from drought before the brush fire hit eastern montana the area is now nothing but endless acres of agri-corporation fields, while the western part consists of overcrowded old towns and ranches in the Rocky Mountains. That makes sense. Uh, moving the people away from the fields. I mean, obviously, there are people out there tending them, but to actually have the people living in one city. Yeah, and that's... Really, that that little bit is all we know about Montana. Yeah, which is fine because there's really not much to know about Montana in our real life world. The okay, so let's move a little bit further west, and now we'll talk about my side of the country, the Western corporate states, also known as the Pacific Northwest are a corporation-ruled association of the American semi-autonomous free states, including Idaho, Oregon, and Washington. The Western corporate states were formed sometime after the Unification War of 2069, which resulted in the dissolution of the Pacifica Confederation. The WCS is a signatory of the Treaty of, the Unifi Treaty of Unification, with the new United States and the other free states, and is therefore nominally part of NUSA, but for all intents and purposes, it is a semi-autonomous and entirely run by a group of megacorporations, including Metacorp, which... So Mark Zuckerberg is in charge of the WCS? No, get the Zuck out of here. I don't, I don't need him. This is Metacorp. I know. I don't want him, though. I mean, you don't want him. I have to deal with Musk. I don't want him, so, you know. Yeah. All right. Fine. In 2077, the WCS implemented a new immigration program, 
in which those seeking to relocate there required a WCS registered corporation to sponsor them for a visa. After a 20-year employment period with that sponsor, visa holders would gain permanent residency and the right to apply for a marriage license and a single child permit. Biotechnica has a strong footing in the WCS. 20 years before you can apply for residency. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But also, while you were telling them about that, I did a little peek at Metacorp. And you know what? We like this Metacorp, kind oh. of. It is a nomad corporation. Okay. Run by nomads. Um, and I think it's pretty cool because they are uh, a merit security and maritime construction firm originally involved in the constructions of New Galveston. Uh, Galveston is a is a is a city in Texas um, mm -hmm. that is like uh, referred to as Galveston Island. So it must have fucking got flooded over, which makes sense. Um, it's only a matter of time before that happens at some point in my lifetime. Um, and the second phase of the Atlantis project. Oh, so they're building Atlantis, and then by 2020, uh, they use their profits to create a Medici, a mobile island city located in the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. A, a mobile island city. That's fucking cool. That's very cool. I mean, definitely right now in real world times, we have man-made islands. Um, I'm thinking of the giant palm outside of Dubai. And I think uh, Key West in Florida has some man-made islands as well. Um, but they are definitely stationary. They, they, they don't move. This one does. And uh, it's okay. We're safe. It was founded by Jonathan Meta, not Mark Zuckerberg. So we're good. We're safe. Okay. All right. Then, yes, Metacore, you can come work in Oregon. I give you permission. Well, it's really nice to have your permission, but I don't think that they were going to need it anyways. Yeah, no, I don't think so. But before we get to Oregon, we're going to talk about Idaho. The state's claim to fame was being the involuntary home of several neo-Nazi white supremacy groups in the 90s. We're off to oh, a great start here, James. During the collapse, most of the hate groups had already faded into oblivion. Oh, thank God. Uh, either too hungry to hate or too violent to survive retribution, but seized control of Idaho. Minorities and strong-willed Anglos banded together as a resistance in short order, fighting against the neo-Nazis and instituting a new underground railroad. Hmm. Did I think I would talk about the Underground Railroad in a cyberpunk podcast? No. No, not, I absolutely the fuck did not. Not but, that one. I mean... I know it's not that one, but referring to a new one, it still refers to 
that one. Why are we saying that one? Like it's a bad thing. No, 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 no. Sorry. The what, what I was trying to go to is the Underground Railroad for people who might not know American history is not mm. an actual like railway built underneath the ground. No, it was the terminology used for um, enslaved people trying to escape and head towards the northern colonies where they could uh, get earn their freedom and get free. Um, so the Underground Railroad Railroad was a figurative term of speech to help people escape. That's good. That's a good shout to to explain that. I have to remember that. Is my U.S. history just comes so naturally because that's what all that's all we're taught in school. Um, right. So I just have to remember that we need to explain that stuff. But, anyways, uh, they yeah they started a new one. After the collapse, more people began to fight back the new circle, which ran the state. After the battle, the Idahoans rebuilt their government in the same fashion, and the Provisional Council stepped down gracefully. The neo-Nazis fled into the national forests of central Idaho and founded Berchestgaden and learned a lot from their defeat. They now train with a rigorous determination unknown in the movement prior to this time. Which is um, unfortunate. I wish they just would have all died. Agreed. Uh, but I hope that they find Bercheskadin and have defeated it by 2077. Hopefully it doesn't exist anymore. That would be nice. But I guess we don't know that yet but in 2006 it became a parliamentary state within the usa all right on to oregon during the crises in nearby washington oregon had helped to come out as top dog in the area with major corporations leaving their northern neighbor Oregon tried to persuade them to move south, but Alaska offered better tax breaks. So most of the companies moved north, leaving Oregon to its own devices. The eastern part of the state was deserted early during the collapse, as nomad packs and homeless refugees crossed the state in search of better climates, preying on the isolated villages as they wished. Faced with the nomad problem, which is not actually a problem, Oregon enacted new tough migrant laws and strictly enforced them. Rude. Right at Columbia River Gorge, west of the ghost town of Pendleton, there is a place called Horse Heaven. Sponsored by the Oregon government, it is a privately held co cooperative that employs natural techniques and manpower only. It became a, in 2005, it became a parliamentary state within the USA. Hmm. Interesting. Because from the gorge... It's saying west of Pendleton along the Columbia River Gorge, there's a horse heaven. 
Now the horse head falls are out there. So is the horse tail falls. I wonder if it's in kind of like the Multnomah Falls area is where this is at. And that would make sense. It's very pretty out there. Yeah, I just don't know. Like you, you started saying words like I was like, I have no idea where any of this stuff's at. <laughs> it's the big river that separates uh Oregon and Washington is the Columbia River. Oh okay, that helps the border ish yeah. area. Okay, cool. Now I know where it's at. I was like, otherwise I don't know where there's a gorge and whatnot. I couldn't have told you. But now it's fine. That's easy enough. Um and speaking of the uh opposite side of that river gorge, Washington. The state has suffered a lot uh over the decades between the 90s and the 2020s uh seattle's known as one of the top 10 worst cities by 2010 caused by a series of ecological disasters and compounded by inept governing oh, great combination honestly uh, the problem started in 1994 when decreased defense spending poor management and unresponsive engineering practices led to Boeing losing its share of the space program and military contracts. 1996 saw a massive drought strike the state, an oil spill contaminated the entirety of Puget Sound and killed off that year's salmon runs. Uh, it was 1997 by the time the spill had been effectively cleaned up. By this time, the collapse began and the Washington state government needed funds. They raised corporate income tax and imposed a state income tax for individuals, but corporations moved to Alaska to avoid those higher taxes. Everything changed, however, when Seattle was rebuilt as the major West Coast, Best Coast port, bringing Washington back into the limelight. The Port of Seattle Floating Annex is an immense floating dry dock and shipping warehouse facility covering the southern end of Puget Sound. In 2002, it became a parliamentary state within the USA. We were the first one out of this group. At some point in those early 2000s, the neighboring city of Bremerton was incorporated into Seattle due to the growth of Seattle's annex port, which went to include Bremerton's shipyards. And in 2077, oh, man, that's crazy that this ended up being my part to read, uh, Jen. Mm. Like, it's wild how that happened. Uh, if V is not in a relationship with Judy after finishing her side quest, which, I mean, I guess if you're playing a dude, that makes sense why you wouldn't. But, like, if you're playing a female V, you should be. But, like, whatever. Um, in 2077, and this is actually just the result um specifically from if you don't finish it um this is the, the text specifically uh in 2077 judy alvarez left night city she traveled north and stayed a few days in seattle after visiting her grandparents in oregon before continuing her journey i think that's also what you get if um you choose to stay in night city yeah um if you, yeah, if you become like the king of Night City or whatever the hell, then, mm -hmm. um, yeah, she'll eventually leave you. So, Pan Am. Yep. 
Um, and it also uh, is the uh, home base to the trauma team headquarters. Oh, we definitely need to talk more trauma team because we have those comics that we need to talk about and go through. So we'll put it in the notes for a trauma team deep dive. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Probably sometime soon. Because why not? Why not? All right. Let's move north to that Alaska. What else information do we have? Alaska has become one of the breadbasket states after the warming that came with the global climate change. The state produced incredible quantities of grain bioengineered to thrive in its new climate. The impact the impact that both states' actions had on the national supply of fuel and food allowed them to avoid a civil war and reach a political compromise with the federal government, their quasi-independent status. Uh, now, North Dakota uh, is mostly corporate-dominated by a combination of tax scalping, leveraged buyouts, foreclosures, and mortgage sharking. A consortium of three corporations, Petrochem, Arcadiex, which is a new one, and New East Asia Agricultural. Sounds fairly new, but I feel like I've heard that somewhere else. Uh, managed to buy a majority of the entire state. North Dakota state government, uh, now as that consortium of corporations, runs itself similar to a corporate executive office passing laws to cater to the least common denominator. Ew. Hate that. Gross. Yeah. South Dakota is notable for the location of Mount Rushmore, as it did not suffer as greatly as most of the other Great Plains states during the drought of 98, thanks to quick legislation for careful water conservation but their conservation of Lake Oahe caused the Missouri River to be reduced to a mere trickle, which did nothing to help Nebraska's plight. South Dakota's foresight led inevitably to a lot of water poaching, which further soured relations between the state and its neighbors. Agribusiness tried to hold a large share of the state's economy, but the state government, falling back on antitrust laws, kept the corporate bloodhounds from taking over the state as they have elsewhere in the country. And uh, last, um, and I would say, but not least, but honestly, it kind of is, uh, is Utah. Uh, during the Wasting Plague, the AIDS-2 crisis, and the famine of the Mormon church, Utah grew bigger after it declared itself to be one of the free states in 2014, but isolated itself from the rest of the country, leading to a poorer Utah than during the collapse. Typical Utah, honestly. Oh, man. Always catching L's. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you could be poorer after the collapse. Well, oh, no, hold on. Let me rephrase that, because I totally understand how you could be poorer after the collapse, but the fact that you gained freedom and you declared yourself as one of the free states when now you're worse off. You shouldn't yeah. have, you shouldn't have gone for that freedom unless you had a way to establish like, like Texas 
was doing well enough on its own in order to sustain its population. Utah does not seem like it did that. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, like, like, Utah doesn't have a whole lot going for it resource-wise. Like, it's, like, mostly a vacation state. Yeah. Like, because, like, but parts of, like, Yellowstone and whatnot go through there, right? So, like... That's it. Yeah, I think ski resort when I think Utah. Yeah, that too. Like, but it's like, other than that, it's like it's that, and then it's like the the Mormons. Like, that that's it. Yeah. So, see, we have talked a lot about quite a few different states here. Um, Next week is our patron chat, so we will have to put a pause in our trek across the states. Let's come back next week for our patron chat. Uh, we haven't picked out a topic quite yet, but I'm sure that we will think of something fun and interesting to talk about next week. And you can give us a follow at, on Twitter at CyberpunkLore and on Patreon.com slash CyberpunkLoreCast. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can find me on the Two Girls, One Ship podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And you can find me doing uh, the Witcher Lorecast um, where we do very much a similar thing, but in the world of the Witcher. Um, you can also check out the Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast, Cyberpunked, Cyberpunk Apostrophe D, uh, that I do with the Fumbling for an Almighty Crit Gang. Mm-hmm. And at the end of every episode, we shout out Miracle of Sound and thank him for allowing his music to be used in our show. We use uh, clips from the Neon Red instrumental remix. So thank you so much for that. Dosi. What do the people need to remember? Stay safe in all of these crazy free states. How well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.